Blog Talk Radio. Humanist. 
and he tagged me, and he says, I love y'all, and he thanked me for, you know, enlightening him and, you know, helping him to evolve. And, you know, an inbox that I received um, yesterday from a young man that's in Houston who had the privilege of hearing Dr. Hutchinson. Dr. Hutchinson was in Houston yesterday, and she gave a talk with um, Houston Black Nonbelievers. And the title of it was, um, this is a man's world, you know, is it really? And so he inboxed me, and he said that she basically blew their socks off like I knew that she would. So, you know, and he was just talking about how encouraged and excited he was and, you know, received an email from another young man, you know, who was detailing um, his his path or his walk, you know, or his knowledge, you know, base being expanded through this show and other shows, but primarily this show. And so he just thanked me and encouraged me to continue. And, you know, just getting all of this support, getting these, you know, what I call leftimonials, if you will, just getting all of this information, this is extremely encouraging to us. It's extremely encouraging to us. I got another um, email from a young lady or a young woman um, who encouraged MC Brooks. I forgot to tell him. And MC Brooks and Teeny, you know, she really loves their show, and she's looking forward to the Afrofuturism show, which will be taking place this Wednesday. So make sure you all support MC Brooks and Teeny on the breakbeat. They will be talking about Afrofuturism, which is a topic that I absolutely love so I'm glad that they're tackling that because for those of you out there who aren't familiar with, you know, some of the writers out there, I just say, you know, start with, you know, like Octavia Butler. Wonderful, wonderful writer. Right, Raina? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you can go out and pick up Dark Matter. That's another book. As a matter of fact, it's still on my bookshelf. I haven't finished reading it. But, you know, you have Octavia Butler, Stephen Barnes, um, Tana Reeve Du, and, Tana, well, Tanana Reeve Du. I always hear that name. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like I want to take one of those nads out. But um, Jewel, Jewel Gomez, Dishmel Reed. I mean, this book, Dark Matter, it's um, like an anthology. It's a compilation. So, you all, get a chance to check these out. You know, this is sci-fi, you know, science fiction with us in the future. You know, okay. pay attention. I'm pretty much getting down it's, with all of those folks except for Ishmael Reed, but that's okay. That's just me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, is that, you know, he's in this book, and it's part of the book, and, you know, people can take it and run with it however they see fit. But, you know, I mean, it's a lot of good material. Here we go. We'll replace Ishmael with Derek Bell or Mary Baraka. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but, um, you know, Octavia Butler, who happens to be one of my favorites. So, you know, we encourage you to read some sci-fi. There's a lot of sci-fi out there written by um, people of color, not just um, African-American, but you have Latino and Native American. We just encourage you to open your mind, expand your horizons. The information is out there. Please, you know, please and, you know, Open your mind. It's just so much. It's so much to learn. It's so much to grow from. But, again, 
getting those beautiful notes and emails and inboxes, you know, I say thank you because when, you know, I receive those notes and, you know, those are words of encouragement to me. You know, it's showing me support, and, you know, we need that sometimes. Because, you know, there are times when it's like, you know, are we getting through? Are people understanding? You know, are people, you know, putting all of this into context to fully understand, you know, what we're trying to bring to them? But, you know, I get all of these notes, and it rejuvenates me. It definitely rejuvenates me. Raina can tell you. Yes, it does. We need them. It, it it helps us. It does. It really does help us. And, you know, sometimes, like, when you're on this side of, you know, the microphone, you know, it, you know, you, you, you sometimes wonder if anybody's listening, if you're getting through to anybody. And so, you know, um, you know, <laughs> it helps us to stay motivated to keep doing this, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And we get suggestions from people. Um, about, you know, show ideas and show topics, and we appreciate it. And trust me, I, you know, if you saw my notebook, you know, I still haven't gotten to the series that I was talking about in December. So, you know, and the reason for it is because all of this, you know, a lot of things have been popping up, and we don't want to let it go by without addressing it. You know, we definitely have to address it. But before we move on, next Sunday, we will be having our live webcast, and we will be talking about women of color and religious oppression. And it will be our live webcast. That will be 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I have it scheduled out for an hour and a half. It may take an hour and a half. It may take an hour. But, you know, just in case, we scheduled it out for an hour and a half and you know, we're just looking for, we have a dynamic panel, you know, and diverse, you know. And, again, we encourage those of you who are interested in being on a panel, let us know. We're looking for, you know, um, you know, people, different people. You know, we're looking for believers, of course, non-believers, you know, Asian, um, indigenous, Latino, Pacific Islander, you know, D, all of the above. You know, and we have mm-hmm. so many more panels, you know, to go because we're bringing them once a month and twice a year we bring you digital online conferences with the next one being the first weekend in August. So for that weekend we will have several panels and so, you know, we're just looking forward to that. And so we definitely want to let you guys know that next Sunday will be our live YouTube um, webcast, and you can go and subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'll post all of that information a little bit later, but even if you just go to YouTube and look up People of Color Beyond Faith, again, that's People of Color Beyond Faith. You'll find our YouTube channel. Please subscribe. Uh, You can reach us on our Twitter, and we have People of Color Beyond Faith on Twitter every week, every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, we hold a weekly Twitter chat. And our hashtag is POC Beyond Chat. Again, that's POC Beyond Chat. And come on out and join us, send us your questions. And on the day of the webcast, we will be live tweeting. So we just wanted to make sure that you all know that it is live tweeting on the days of the webcast. So we do interact. We do take questions on YouTube as well as Twitter. And 
you know, we just wanted to encourage you guys. Be a part of the, you know, community. We encourage you to do so. We do this. This is definitely a labor of love. Not only this podcast, but the webcast. And, and we have another treat coming up for you guys, October 11th and 12th of this year. Again, that's October 11th and 12th of 2014. CFI Los Angeles will be hosting people of color beyond faith for our first annual People of Color um, um, conference. And the title of the conference is Moving Social Justice. Again, Moving right. Social Justice. And we are excited. We have, you know, a group of dynamic people, you know, joining us. We will have Mercedes Diane Griffin Forbes of the Mercedes Power Foundation. Of course, we will have Dr. Sakibu Hutchinson from the Black Skeptics Group. We will have Meredith Moy East from Creative Heart Mission, and she's a minister. Uh, we will have Dr. Anthony Penn from Rice University. We will have the one and only lovely Raina Rhodes from Rhodes to Reality and Black Free Thinkers. We will have <laughs> Donald Wright. <laughs> we will have Donald Wright from Houston Black Nonbelievers and the founder of Dale Solidarity for Black Nonbelievers. So. We have a wonderful panel set up, and we are just looking forward to seeing you guys out there. We will be tackling a number of social justice, humanist um, issues. We will be talking about atheists of color that are part of the LGBTQ community. We will be talking about the um, um, the scoop the prison pipeline, just a number of things. And so this is our first one, and we want people to participate, believers and non-believers, because like I said, Meredith Moise is a minister. She's a believer. And, you know, we just invited her to our last um, digital conference, which was in February, check out the archives, and she was just, she absolutely blew us away. And we said, we have to have her at this conference. I mean, she's just a wonderful woman. And so so, again, you know, I'm just trying to show you how we do believe in having a diverse and open, you know, conversation. And so we're looking forward to seeing more people participate with people of color beyond faith. You know, you are all welcome, and, you know, the dialogue is open. That's one of the things that I, you know, can say, and I'm sure that Raina can expound on how we do not discriminate antagonize or look down upon people who believe. We don't do that. No. No, we don't do that. I mean, the only the the only the only um thing that we, you know, that we do, you know, discriminate in terms of is, you know, we we want to deal with people who are progressive. You know, we are yeah. not interested in dealing with individuals who have, you know, toxic beliefs. You know, whether they are atheists or not or, or believers. You know, we just, right. we don't have time for it, and it doesn't um, fall in line with what we're trying to accomplish. We want to expand the community. We don't. We're not trying to exclude people. Um, you know, on the basis of who they choose to love, or what skin color they might have, or you know, whether or not they are you know de- designated illegal or or some other such you know designation. You know, we want to expand. You know. 
Exactly, exactly. And, you know, since you brought that up, you know, um, first in the family, humanist scholarships. You know, that's every year. Last year was the first time Black Skeptics Group gave out five scholarships, and we intend on giving out five more scholarships this year. We are a 501c3 organization, which means that your contributions are tax-deductible. And you can find that over on a Black Skeptics Group, but for those that would like to make a donation, our PayPal is blackskeptics at gmail.com. Again, that's blackskeptics at gmail.com. You know, B-L-A-C-K-S-K-E-P-T-I-C-S at gmail.com. And we appreciate it. You know, we appreciate any amount that you're able to donate because these are children that have been generally marginalized and ignored. And, you know, as people of color, I'm pretty sure that many of us, you know, have experienced something similar, if not the same thing. But, you know, they they focus on children that are part of the foster care system, homeless children, undocumented children, LGBTQ children. You know, so there are a number of different criteria. But, again, we want to encourage these young people to go to school, you know, because there are some of these children did not believe that they would be able to go to college. And, you know, with the mentoring program that Dr. Hutchison set up and, you know, members of the Black Skeptics Group mentoring these young people, they encouraged them and showed them that they could go to college. You know, some didn't know how to fill out the financial aid forms. You know, they assist them with that. So, you know, there are a lot of services that go with this, you know, scholarship program. So, again, you know, please, we encourage you to give so that we can help more young people. That's what we would like. So, you know, again, we thank you. We thank you for the encouragement. We thank you for the support. We thank you for your letters and your inboxes. And, again, like I said, you know, it rejuvenates me. It rejuvenates me. It's like when, you know, Pac-Man eats the power pellet. That's how I feel as I get to see the letters. <laughs> it's like, all right, we can go for a few more. So, you know, again, that's from the bottom of our hearts, and, you know, we do love you and we do care because if we didn't, we wouldn't be here doing this. We are, you know, closing out our third year and heading into our fourth year. We have a number of different shows. Um, last Friday, Vita Star put it all on blast. Randall was on a show. Tell us about it. Tell us about it. <laughs> Um, it was great. I mean, I was on there with, um, you know, some pretty dynamic women um, who are, you know, uh, social activists in their in their communities, and um, we just had a really great conversation about, you know, feminism and, you know, some, some recent things that have taken place in the news and what have you. Um, it was great. I highly recommend that you listen to it. Um, you know, we, we just had a really great time. So. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, Vita Starr be on top of it. But, you know, her show is every other week on blast with Vita Starr. Next, well, not this next Friday, but the Friday after that, Carl and Alfred will be back with their show. This Friday we will have Mario and M or M and Evil. They'll be back. And, and it was Thursday, well, not Friday again. Yeah, Thursday, my bad. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Be the star of Thursday. You know, M and Evil are Fridays, and Carl and Alfred are Fridays. So that's every other Friday. Um, you know, so I'm trying to make sure I'm not. Yeah, oh, Brooks and 
Brooks and Teeny, oh, my goodness, you know, Wednesday. So this Wednesday coming up, they will be talking about Afrofuturism. So, again, you know, some of us do see black people in the future. So, you know, and quite a few of us enjoy sci-fi. So, you know, check it out. You're going to enjoy that show as well. So we're looking forward to all of this. So, you know, it's been a lot happening in the news, a lot, and I was just trying to figure out where to start, Raina. We'll let you go ahead and leave this out. Oh, my goodness. Um, I, I don't know where to start. I, I just have no idea. <laughs> you just going to put me on the spot like that? That's right, Nothing but love. Now, we could talk about a number of things that, you know, were in the news this week. Um, There were a number of stories, and one particular story that, um, or article that I put up, and it was talking about the dilemma of dual identities in black friends. And, you know, I posted that (laughs) a number of different pages, and with this particular issue, you know, um, blacks in France you know, identify as being French, although mm-hmm. there are some, you know, racial issues over in France. And if you go back, if you all remember, there were some protests in um, 2005, um, a lot of, you know, um, disaffected immigrants, you know, protested, and some of the protests became very violent. And, you know, I'll put it this way. France does not want an American-style type of civil rights movement in their country. You know, they're mm-hmm. trying to steer away from that. And, you know, I post, posted the article yesterday, I believe, on my wall. But, you know, the reason why I post articles for like this is because I want you all to see that the same issues that we face in this country, people face in other countries as well. Now, they're handled a little differently. And in France, they're just beginning to study social inequality and race. You know, and that that only started when they had the riots in 2005. You know, because basically, and I'll read a quote here, it says, the political elites do not want to consider the social impacts of race. So by ignoring it, they can claim racism does not exist and avoid the racial problems of countries like the United States. Now, it's very important that you understand that. And, you know, the the woman that did this study over at Duke University, she's, you know, an African-American, and she went over to France to study and to do some work, and she was trying to put her American biases, you know, aside. And it it was just interesting. You know, she said here, and I quote, it was interesting living there as an African-American to see how I was received, says Beeman, who was there when President Obama was elected into office. The people I interviewed were excited and wondered when France will get its own version of Obama. And she said that when she was there, she experienced some privilege because she was an American, but yet she still carried her passport around everywhere she went. So, you know, just to kind of some, you know, an understanding as to, um, you know, some of the issues that are faced um, by people in other countries. Because, I mean, I've posted things about, you know, blacks in Italy and, and blacks in Germany and blacks in Britain, you know. Um, and some interesting issues over there as well. I posted an article, um, you know, about an Asian guy that was over in Britain 
and he was talking about um, colonialism and um, white privilege. And it's interesting. So I post a number of articles from a number of people with different perspectives, um, but, you know, basically, you know, they talk about privilege, they talk about appropriation, um, just a number of different issues. And, you know, that's the beauty of the Internet, that we're able to talk and share and, and, and understand that you're not alone out here. That's why we always tell you that you're not alone. And that's why I'm glad, you know, many of us have found each other, you know, and yeah, you know, we're able to move on, but social justice seems to be a theme that's resonating, you know, more so around the world. And that's why you have certain countries trying to shut down Twitter and Facebook, you know, blocking them out because they don't want any uprisings, you know, in their particular countries. So, you know, social justice um it's something that, you know, definitely needs to be talked about, something that needs to be advanced. I think it's extremely important. Um, you know, as Dr. Hutchinson said, atheism is not enough. It's not enough. And so, you know, I just think it's important that we understand that. And, you know, I've received a lot of pushback. You know, as a matter of fact, you know, I had to block three people this weekend, and you know, I'm usually one of those people. I'll try to reason, try to listen, but you can only take so much abuse. And <laughs> you know, I've had white people tell me this weekend that you know I don't really know what racism is, and you know, white being poor and white is worse than being black. And because I would not engage this particular individual, um, you know, he became quite abusive. He became quite abusive, and then eventually I just blocked him. And, you know, he had other white people telling him that he sounded like a white supremacist. And that's the reason why, you know, you know, people of color do not engage him because he, he was being a troll. And, you know, they found it insulting offensive. And they were trying to explain it, but I don't believe he didn't understand. I just believe he was being obtuse. Okay. And so, you know, there is a difference. And so it was just right. interesting because, you know, I know he wanted to say, basically, you know, are you people ever happy? You know, because, I mean, I've gotten notes like that, you know, on, on the website, and that's why I have to approve all of the comments. But, you know, we've been called niggers. We've been told that, you know, you black people, you blacks are never happy. You always want to, you know, have your own. And there are a lot of, you know, white atheists that do not understand why we have black groups, but yet they don't understand why their behavior can be offensive. And I'm talking about this particular individual and a few others that I've encountered. So you want to attack me personally, but I'm not supposed to be offended by that. Right. I'm just supposed to take it. I'm supposed to take your abuse. Right. right. And then he got angry when I said, oh, you think I'm supposed to mind you, and it's not my job to educate you. Now, this is the thing. We have no problem educating people. We have no problem posting the links. We have no problem engaging you and encouraging you. But when you are one of those people in which, you know, it's like throwing spaghetti at the wall and nothing is sticking. 
And after a while, you know, you realize you <laughs> that they've used some grease or some Vaseline or some oil to oil the wall because they don't want anything to stick or to catch. And so it becomes yeah. an exercise in futility with some people. But yeah. this goes back into a conversation we've had on numerous occasions, not only on the show but, you know, in threads in which, you know, we've talked about some of the racial issues, some of the sexism issues, the homophobic issues, um, and et cetera, in the atheist community that we've encountered. And why is that behavior not chastised by the larger white organizations? Because their silence is tacit agreement. When you have people calling black Christians Uncle Tom's, calling black Christians stupid and things of that nature. How, I mean, honestly, you know, you have these CPAC atheists over here trying to bring in the religious right who are blatant with their homophobia and racism and misogyny and and all of the isms and phobias out there, you know. They're trying to recruit them. They're trying to bring them into the atheist community but yet they're playing ostrich and burying their head in the sand and acting like we do not have racial issues, we do not have gender issues, we do not have homophobia, transphobia, all of that is over here. But yet, right. you know, you have, you know, um, Dave Silverman that says that he has not met anyone in the atheist community that is anti-LGBTQ, and that's a lie. Right. It's true. And it's just, you know, it's just, it's, they don't address it. And, you know, why would we, you know, and we do support, you know, a lot of these large organizations in one way or another. You know, if it's a cause that we support, we support it. However, you know, as, you know, our friend Vita once said, some of these people have way too much time and money on their hands. You know, taking everybody to court, taking a poor woman to court because she put a cross up where her son died. Come on, let that woman grieve. If she has to put that cross up for three, four years, let her do it. What is that going to hurt? And so, you know, where is the compassion? But anyway, you know, I said all of that to say this, that there is a reason why we have, you know, specific groups that are outside of the mainstream so that we can focus on and deal with issues that pertain to our particular cultures and communities because social justice is not, you know, um, has not been addressed by the atheist community at large. And the atheist community has been around a long time, a long time. And, you know, you have some people in the atheist community that call us social justice warriors, and they don't like us, you know, and and it's just interesting. And that's why we talked about, um, you know, um, what did we talk about last week? Oh, we talked about libertarianism. And that's why we encourage people to go out and to research and study on your own and see how all of that falls together because um, generally – I'm talking in general terms, I'm not saying every one of them, but many libertarians do not believe in social justice. They believe in pull yourself up by your bootstraps. 
That's what they believe in. They believe in, you know, taking everything that they can take and taking yours if you will allow them to take it or if you will give it to them. And, you know, this is one of the concerns that we have about what's happening now in the direction of the atheist community. Now, you know, let's let's put it in perspective. Being an atheist, that only means non-belief. No belief in a God, no belief in a deity. And so you have different people that have different social causes that they believe in. And, you know, with the atheist community, I've seen, you know, a lot of these large organizations, you know, basically falling over their feet to congratulate, you know, the Supreme Court on their DOMA decisions, you know, anything that's pro-LGBTQ. And I applaud that as well because, you know, we have many people in our communities that are LGBTQ. And that is absolutely wonderful. However, where I fault a lot of these larger organizations is that nobody said anything about Section 5 or the Voting Rights Act being struck down. And I posted an article a couple of days ago um, talking about, um, I believe um, it was two states, Arkansas and Oklahoma, I believe, or Kansas and Oklahoma. I started getting them confused, but I posted it on my wall. But basically, they were changing the voter laws. And, I mean, immediately after the Supreme Court made that decision, North Carolina and Texas changed their laws so fast. And it's just important for you all to understand, you know, and this is an off year. This is an election year, but, you know, um, you know, it, it, it can swing either way. You know, it can swing either way, but... What I would tell you all is to start registering to vote now because they're making it even more difficult. So go on and find your birth certificate or go to the currency exchange and order it. If you don't have one, have your Social Security card, you know, a couple of utility bills, and, you know, all of that to take with you when you go register to vote because they're going to ask you for all of that. And you can call your Board of Elections to see if you're still registered to vote. Make sure you change your address if you moved, because they are, you know, challenging um, a lot of, you know, the registrations. So just letting you know some of the tricks that are being played, but getting back to center, where was the atheist community when that happened, when that was struck down? Not one. It was crickets, crickets and tumbleweeds. Now, again, if someone spoke on it and I didn't see it, my apologies. I can't see everything. But, you know, another example was with the Zimmerman verdict. The only organization that said anything was the American Humanist Association. No one else said a word. So, anyway, you know, this is just to show you, you know, some of the biases that we're dealing with over here. And... You know, you have um, someone in the, in the chat room is saying, don't talk about libertarianism until you know fully about it. Social justice is a euphemism for let society pay for my failures. Yeah, that's it. and that is someone who is speaking from a privileged position. Um, you know, anybody who has studied history should know that, um, you know, that the libertarianism does not work for people of color. People of color have have required the assistance of the state to help them secure the freedoms that should already be theirs by the Constitution. There's, you know, libertarianism has never worked for us, will never work for us. Just exactly. period. 
Exactly, and especially when we're dealing with public policies. And, again, that ties into what I was just talking about with the voter laws, you know, that are, you know, being changed in these states. But with the public policies that have been put in place and and implemented um, to continue to oppress people. So when they were no longer able to implement Jim Crow laws, you know, and they started implementing these states' rights, and both the Democrats and the Republicans were in on it. So it's just interesting, and, you know, that's why we've talked about this in many shows, and we want you to go back and, you know, uh, take a listen. And this person says, there are blacks who are libertarians, so you don't know what you're talking about. Sorry. Yeah, there, there, there were black members of the KKK too. I mean, what do you want me to say to that? Yeah, what's your point? You know what I mean? Right. That doesn't, exactly. that doesn't mean, <laughs> doesn't mean that that's a good thing. Right. <laughs> there are black people who are tea partiers. What's your point? It doesn't make them right. Yeah. There were black it people. Who, there were black people who actively spied on on civil rights organizations during the 1950s and 60s in order in, in because they believed that civil rights would never work and that they were going to make sure that they were on the quote right side of of the battle so that when so when the shit went down and civil rights failed that they would be rewarded by by white people with money and privilege Kind of, kind of sounds like some of the black atheists that we know. But anyway, um, I'll give you an example. Uh, here in Chicago, there was one black church um, here that did not side with Martin Luther King, that they were anti-MLK. And once um, there was a street, it was Michigan Avenue. Well, no, that's, yeah, is that Michigan? I don't remember if that was Michigan or not. No, it's not Michigan, but it was a street here in Chicago, and it was renamed Martin Luther King Drive. And this particular church, their front doors opened on that street, and when the city renamed that street Martin Luther King Drive, they bricked up that entrance and opened up another entrance on the opposite side of the church because the pastor had, you know, that much hate for Martin Luther King. And so, you know, it's just interesting how that goes. But, yeah, you know, we have this person, he continues to talk, and (laughs) he says that because there are people who don't believe in your, I'm so oppressed because I'm black, that means that you're right, not logical. And no, just because that's exactly what we said, because that was the uh, argument that we made, right, Kim? Exactly. That was the argument, right, okay. Get the yeah. hell out of here. <laughs> right, but I mean, okay. this is, you know, this is what we've been dealing with, and, you know, this is indicative of what I was talking about, about blocking people this weekend, because, you know, here it is with that privilege. And... Again, you know, some people, it's because they have not been educated, they do not understand in context, you know, fully in context of, you know, what has been happening, how certain systems have been designed. Um, they, They don't really fully understand it. Then there will always be people who side, you know, and if you're a black and libertarian or you're a black and a tea party or you're black and a Klansman, fine. You know, I mean, that's that's your choice, you know, and, and here he goes. He says, people who continue to look to the government for help aren't capable of doing things on their own. And 
It's really interesting. That's not true. Yeah. But see, this is the thing that he doesn't understand. Black people have been doing for themselves for a very long time. And, and on multiple occasions, white and or the government, you know, together, but usually white people with either the government condoning it or actually being directly involved, came in and destroyed what we had. You know what I mean? So let's, let's get off of this idea that, you know, white, black people are just looking for government handouts. No, we require government protection because our rights are not respected. They're oh, yeah. Not. And he, they're not. And then when black people do build up wealth, they come in and they destroy it. You know, example, Wilmington, you know, Black Wall Street, you know, Rosewood, all of that. I kicked him out of the room because he said, so give me an example of how racism has affected both of you. This is the same guy that was in the – in the group that gave me a hard time, and he's from oh. Indiana, and so yeah, so you know he just followed me over here. That's all because I had posted in that particular group that we were going to be doing the show today. So you see, you know, to me, I consider that harassment. You don't understand, but again, it's not my job to educate you. It is not my job to educate and you. It is not to... my job to justify my humanity to you. I just don't have exactly. don't have time, and I, don't, I shouldn't have to do it. I just shouldn't have to do it, period. Exactly. 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 And, you know, again, we tell people to go back and listen to the archives. You know, it's interesting. But anyway, atheism isn't enough. You know, as Dr. Hutchinson said. Hello? Yeah, I thought you were going to go on, Rain. I was trying to give you the floor. Oh, no. But it, it, it's not enough. It is not enough. And, you know, this is what we've been trying to convey to the community at large um, regarding social justice, community activism, grassroots activism, and why we're here and why we're, you know, taking this to another level. If you will, personally, I believe that the atheist community is going to split off into, you know, three or four different directions. And that's fine. That's fine. You know, you do what you do, and we'll do what we do over here because we understand that with religion, it's interwoven into our culture, and it is hard to separate it. And this is why, you know, a lot of people of color are offended when, you know, they are antagonized by certain people. Now, you know, you see how he, you know, that was just one example there of us being antagonized and we're all quote-unquote atheists. Imagine how they treat religious people. Imagine how they talk to your grandmother, your mom, you know, your children. And yet, you know, the larger organizations have said and done nothing to squash that type of behavior. That speaks volumes. That Mm -hmm. speaks volumes to me. And, you know, you have some black atheists out here that are absolutely, you know, um, in agreement with that type of behavior. You know, how do you expect to have theists talk to us and engage us when you're constantly putting them down? when you're constantly offending and insulting them, when you're dismissing and ignoring them, and then you claim that they're not listening to you when, you know, listening, a conversation is two parts. You're not listening to them either. So the whole thing is interesting, and, you know, one of the 
retort that I've seen from religious people to atheists is, well, at least the church is in the community helping. What is the atheist community doing? That is a very valid question. What is the atheist community doing in regards to social justice? Can anybody tell me? Very little. Crickets and tumbleweeds. You know, there are some organizations. Yeah, there are some organizations that are out there, and you know, I give them credit for it. I give them credit. You know, this is not bash atheism day, but what I'm saying is, we can do more. We can do better. We can do better. And um, yeah, we 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 have to do better. You know, uh, I think Deborah dropped, but I saw her. I was going to pick her up in a minute. But, you know, interface dialogue, and this is something that, you know, we definitely believe in. And because, you know, we're willing to work with progressive liberal ministers and churches. That's never been an issue. You know, now, we're not going to go with you on your anti-LGBTQ campaigns, but most liberal progressive churches are inclusive, they're welcoming, and they're affirming. So, you know, that's, we look at those criteria. We could never work with, you know, a homophobic congregation. We, we can't do that. You know, um, we won't do it. And so, you know, it's just interesting, you know, how that works. But you have some atheists out here, black, white, yellow, red, that do not want to work with the church whatsoever. And I believe that we are missing opportunities by having that type of attitude. You know, I think this is Deborah. Let me pick up. How you doing? Hey, hey Deborah. Doing? Hi, Deborah. I've been on the phone, but uh, maybe y'all didn't see it. I've, I've been there ever since the beginning, you know. You know, oh, you know how when you get on the road, it's kind of hard to stop it, you know? Yeah, but, you know, it, it's, it's frustrating. I'm wondering, you know, with all these rules and regulations and laws they come up, what, are the, what kind of drug are these people taking? I mean, it seems like they just, you know, wake up and say, oh, well, I'm going to do this today. Oh, I'm going to do that today. You know, it's really, it, get, it, it it's so frustrating. And then you see people on Facebook, you know, Ah, mm-hmm. I don't. Understand, I just don't understand where their minds at. Sometimes, you know, you know, and and you know, like sometimes, you know, you'll see on my page. I try to be real nice. You know what I'm saying? All I want you mm-hmm. to do, don't, don't, don't you, 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 whatever you believe, believe in anything you want. Okay, that's cool. Don't, don't, but don't, don't be uh, forcing me to do it. Okay, that's all I care about. And if you believe right. whatever you believe, I think you ought to know everything about it. You know, do your own research. That's all exactly. I'm saying. But these people are crazy. Did you see what they're doing they're down, down in Florida now? They're making people who are on assistance take a drug test. Yes. Yes. They've been yeah. trying to implement and, that for years. And, and and the strange thing about it, people don't realize. See, I used to, I used to work for... Social services. The, the strange thing about it, they think it's just poor people, right? Or people who don't want to work. I had a guy come in one day. We laughed all day about this. 
he drove in in a Ferrara. Okay, he had graduated okay. from um, this college, uh, uh, doctor's college here, and he even had a Rolex on his, and he wanted to apply. Do you know he qualified? Mm. But people yeah, think but that it it's just. But I mean, you know, they it think it's just poor people. Yeah, and it, you know that type of thing happens often, and. Um, it, it's just interesting with a lot of the policies that they're implementing, you know, um, in order to set a trap. But that's why we talk about social justice. That's why we're talking about the different laws that are on the book, books. And, you know, at one point in time in Florida and a number of other places, they wanted to drug test people who were on unemployment. And then someone proposed a bill that would drug test um members of the legislator and members and so of course they shot that down and you know there have been a number of news stories showing that there there have been people different representatives caught with drugs some have had to resign some have refused to you know resign so right. you know it's about the them. that should be a big law to drug test them if they want to be some kind of senator or mayor anything like that they ought to be trust. I mean, when you work for the government, I I don't know what they're doing there. I'm talking about when I they drug test us, you know who who you know just was the workers, you know what I'm saying? They did that, mm-hmm. but I don't think they drug testing them them people. I know they couldn't be. You can't unless you know you can't be coming up with stupid stuff like this. So the point where I said stupid, and I know that's. Uh, you know, it's hard. I think I, that's another thing. I think it's hard for people to think that white people are stupid. I'm not saying all white. Of course, I'm not going to say no. Don't even go there. I'm saying the people who are doing these crazy stuff, you know, have been doing this crazy stuff even back as far as slavery. They were stupid. Okay, simple as that. Okay, and 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 it's, it's, if we think on that term. Then we we I don't think we would we we wouldn't even bother to deal with that crazy stuff. Just keep on. I think it's a, uh, um, you know, something to hold us back. You know, because we need to concentrate on other things other than what their silly ass. Excuse me, their silly selves are coming up with next. That's well, see, but see, that's what that's where social justice comes in when we start challenging the public policies and challenging yeah. the laws that are on the books and that have been on the books and that they're trying to put on the books. And that's where some of the social justice comes in, you know, having people out there to go out and advocate, you know, for these particular causes or against these particular causes, depending on the situation. Yeah. And that's why it's important, and it's important that we be a part of that community. I think we have Vita on the line with us. Is this Vita? Yes, it is. Hey, Vita. Hey, Vita. I've been listening for a while, pretty much since the, uh, if you guys were 10 minutes in when I was able to listen. But, um, yeah, Yeah. first of all, great show. I just want to put that out there. This is an excellent, excellent episode. I mean, all your episodes are great, but I love today. I love the conversation. Um, But I want to jump in on the Georgia conversation. I mean, not Georgia, the uh, drug testing conference. You know, Georgia actually just passed that. So welfare recipients um, are now going to be required to Test, which I have a big issue with because I don't understand the point of it considering that drug test people doesn't tell you how they spent their money. So I don't even know what kind of logic is now to even try to justify that bullshit. Um, it doesn't make any sense. 
It doesn't like it. Yeah, so I can mute your radio. I can hear your mute your volume on your computer or whatever. Um, I can oh, hear I'm feedback. Not, oh, I'm not even near the radio. Yeah, I'm just having it on my phone. Oh, okay, that's okay. But go ahead. Okay. I don't know. Well, maybe if I give me a second, I guess I should call back in. Maybe. No, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I did. That's what I did. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I did. Near a speaker. So, um, yeah, but, yeah, so, yeah, I want to talk about that a little bit. Just, you know, first of all, none of this, that stuff doesn't make any sense. There should be people pushing back on it. And there are people who are pushing back on it. But I don't know if there's any strong um, movement from, you know, non-believers to talk about those kind of things. I mean, outside of our space, I, really don't, I haven't really heard much of anything about social justice, to be honest with you. And you won't. And you won't because they don't believe in it for the most part. You know, again, you know, look at the direction that, you know, the community at large, you know, the mainstream, you know, organizations, they don't talk about social justice because they don't necessarily believe in social justice. And this is one of the reasons why a lot of the communities are still being marginalized. However, what they're doing as, you know, a diversionary tactic, if you will, is they're talking about diversity. They're just not acting on You understand? You know, so you'll hear them talking about, oh, we need diversity, but yet they do not necessarily act upon it. You know, what they will do is bring one or two people and put them in front, but yet they're not necessarily putting forth any action. Hmm? Because the point hmm? the point is to tokenize us. It's not to bring in diversity. Exactly. It's not to bring you know to create a movement. It's not about let's let's see what we can get done and accomplish together. It's not about that. It's about how can we tokenize so we don't look racist. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. And we've been talking about that, and then that's the reason why we're getting so much pushback about having our own groups. They many of them want to want us to assimilate more so that they can keep an eye on us. But in addition to that, able to brag that they have more than five black members out of ten thousand members, and they also want the money. They want the mem- the yearly membership fees. They want the conference fees, and then they want you to come and speak at their conference or convention. And your only payment is a free hotel room and maybe a table. But yet they pay Richard Dawkins fifty thousand dollars plus pay for him and his entourage to get there, stay at a, the nicest hotel, take them out to dinner, you know, hundred dollar primes, rib steaks. I mean, and, and give him the world. But all you're worth is a hotel room and a free table. You're really that cheap, huh? Okay. The same, you know, the same thing happens uh, in feminist communities too. Like I've been a part of feminist uh, working organizations, and a lot of those presenters, the black ones, aren't getting paid. But they'll bring in some, you know, popular white female to come in and see that exactly. she's getting. Exactly. That's so. That's exactly. so crazy. That is so exactly. crazy. Exactly. Back there. Huh? I said, Raina, and I was talking to Raina. You know, no, I said, I, said, I, said, I said I was saying yes. I mean, I didn't. I mean, I didn't huh? have anything to add to it at the at that moment. Right. So. Right. 
But it's just it's interesting. But you know, Vita is absolutely correct. They're trying to tokenize us, and you know, we've talked about that. You know, for a while. You know, their favorite token or two, well, really two or three. But it's it's just the whole thing is interesting. But again, that there are some of them out there that do not like the work that we're trying to do and how we're kind of branching off and taking atheism to another level. There are some out there that do not like the fact that we are tackling social justice and we're, you know, including, you know, interfaith dialogues, you know, but I just think it's important because especially in communities of color, sorry, religion will never be eradicated, never, never, ever, ever. And it's more than just them having their belief in faith and all of those things is more so about how the church is like the focal point of many of these communities. If you need help with your gas and light, you know, you go to the church, and it's not that the church is paying your gas and light bill, but there are federal programs, one's called CETA, LIHEAP. And you go to the church, and what the federal government does is they contract out with these different to rent out a space. And the church has to have a computer system set up and, you know, a network working. They, they rent out a space. People come in, bring their utility bills. The person at the church does the data input, makes copies of whatever they need to make a copy of, and then the person yeah. is approved or denied for, you know, federal assistance with their utilities. But if the church wasn't there, where would they go? They probably would have to go downtown. That's like two buses right. and a train if there's public transportation available. So there is a purpose for that. You know, with the food giveaway, you know, a lot of the churches work with the food depository. Now, this is not every church. There are some really good churches out there that are doing good works. Okay? Not everybody is. Again, again, I would say if, if, if I didn't have to pay taxes, I could do more work, too. You understand what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. You got to look but, at the fact that you got know the money. Look how much money they're bringing in. But you know what, Deborah? At the same time, the, a lot of these churches might be bringing. I'm not, I'm not, don't get me wrong. There are definitely some crooked churches, some crooked preachers, or pastors. But for example, here in LA, um, we have a farmers market, a low cost. Not even a farmers market, really, but a low cost outdoor grocery market um, over on Adams and Western in South LA. Well, I was able, when I lived in that area, I could just walk up the street and get low-cost fruits and vegetables, but now it's put on by the church. So a lot of times, so we can't forget that, yes, you know, there are definitely some problems, but at the same time, we can't just eliminate these spaces, especially in communities like black communities, where we rely on some of these services. So I'm not eliminating them. I'm not going to eliminate them. I'm just saying, you know, I'm not giving them, I'm not... Understand, I'm not eliminating it. I'm just saying, you know, don't give them credit because all that credit because of it, okay, because a lot of people could do more if they had better jobs. If, if they wouldn't even need them if they had better but jobs. But there are you understand? They're not, they're not, they're not, you don't see them fussing them. You don't see them up in Congress or anywhere saying, don't do this, don't do that to the people. You don't see them fighting for us. Who, you don't say who's fighting you don't, for You us. don't hear them really fighting for us. Who? Who? The churches. Yes, they do. What do you think the Moral Monday movement is about right now? That's right. It's about time. That started in churches. Black churches. Right. It's about time. That's not a fair, that's not a fair statement. It's, a, it's about time. 
Yeah, but the, but the thing is, is that, you know, this is not just That's what the civil rights movement was organized. They've been yeah, doing you, it. We utilize the black churches in order to, yeah. you know, have the bully. That's, that's the only place to go. Yeah, that was the only place that we can go. But the thing is, is that not only was it the only place that we can go, but they had the they had the ears and the hearts of the people. So we had right. to get, you know, the the ministers and the theists behind us in order to fully implement, you know, that particular wave of the civil rights movement. But, you know, I understand where you're coming from, Deborah, you know, and, you know, that's why, you know, last week when we talked about the church, there are some churches that need to be taxed but not all of them. And, you know, we came to that understanding last week, especially some of the smaller churches that are really out here, you know, trying to help. They do not need to be taxed. They can't afford it. And then I also talked about how the GOP, the Republican Party, how they're fooling these churches and these religious people. Because many of them, GOP and the libertarians, what they plan to do is to basically – projected shift all of these social services on the shoulders of the churches and, you know, these, you know, nonprofit organizations, and they will not be able to handle that weight. They will not be able to do it. And then when the church fails to, you know, be able to implement social justice and, and, and um, you know, in helping the communities, then it's gone. It's gone. Then what? And that's one of the reasons why I say I do not necessarily believe in the eradication of the church because they do serve some purpose in, in certain situations. But, you know, I posted an article yesterday in which they were talking about the nuns and how the churches are trying to attract the nuns back into the fold. And it's just it's really interesting, the dynamics of religion and how it's changing in this country and whether we realize it or not, we're having an impact. We're having some influence on believers yeah. because one particular yeah. megachurch pastor made a status update yesterday in which he was talking about are you an atheist that is still um, a believer? So do you believe in spirituality? You, have, you know, you believe in some forms of spirituality or faith, but yet you don't necessarily believe in God. So I've, I've been watching how some of these people are talking, and the conversation, the dialogue is changing, and some of them are receptive to it. Some of them are open to it, and that lets me know they're looking, they're watching, they're listening. So that's why I say we have to be very careful in, you know, what we say and how we present things because there are people out there who definitely want to work with us. So, you know, this is where the social justice, you know, um, part comes in as far as atheism is concerned. We have to show, you know, a different face of atheism. We have to show that atheism is no longer the stereotype of the good old white boys club, even though it still resonates that way, you know, (laughs) in certain ways, but... We have to show a different face, especially when there are more people of color that are joining and are a part of this movement now that we're coming out. Because we've always had people of color in this particular, um, you know, movement, if you will, but not all of us have been willing to come out and show our faces and, you know, play our cards. And now we're doing it. However, 
we cannot shirk the responsibility of understanding, you know, how religion is interwoven into our culture. Me personally, I'm not going to turn my back on the black community for atheism. No, I can't do it. I won't do it. And there is no amount of money that you can pay me to do it. So I believe that I am my brother's keeper. I believe that I am my brother's keeper. I believe that we need to be out there in the community. We need to be helping, and we need to offer an alternative. If you've been listening to this show from the very beginning, from when we first started this show three years ago, I was talking about being solutions-based. I believe that then, and I believe that now, and we need to offer an alternative. We need to have our own offices in which we can do the CETA Light Heat program. We need to have our own offices in which we work with the food depository and, you know, distribute food to the people. We need to have our own office in which we can bring people in and, and you know, help them, especially the people that are leaving the prison system, bring them in, get them some clothing. Okay, so that they can have clothes, so that they can go and interview for jobs. We need to have our own little community center so that we can bring people in so that they can learn how to use the Internet, so that they can learn how to use Word, so so they can make their resume, that we have those services for them. That's social justice. We, you know, so... So, you know, atheism is not enough. And in many cases, we will have to work with some of these progressive liberal churches, you know, because, I mean, you know, having, you know, four or five of, of, of us of atheists out there protesting is much different than having a hundred of us, atheists, believers, and non-believers out there protesting, you know, mm-hmm. um, um, the fact that, you know, um, there are not enough jobs, economic or educational opportunities in our community. And all it takes is showing that a few of us are out there together, more people will join us. But we have to start somewhere. We have to start it. We have to start it. talking about issues that affect all of us. It doesn't just affect black atheists. You see what I'm saying? And we can't sit up here and say that we want to support, we want to see change in the black community, and we are eliminating pretty much 80% of of our community because we're saying we don't want to work with the faith community. That doesn't make any sense because we want people, we would love for them. I think it's great to have people work with you on an issue, but if you're going to sit up there and eliminate them, why should they even work with you at all? Why should they even try to? So you can't say you want to build the black community, you want to help see change and see development, but at the same time you're basically shitting on all the people that you say you want to help. That, to me, that's the silliest thing. I want to help black people, but I want to support policies that, are, that negatively affect my community. Yeah, it's kind of silly because then we'd be acting like them, how they have treated everybody who was not religious, you see. And a lot of people are very pissed off. I mean, I I sometimes get pissed off when I think about, you know, when I think about how people are treated just asking questions, okay, from the black church, or white church or black church, whatever. You know, they treat you like... Uh, you know, like what a heathen. Okay, so we don't want to be like that. No, because I love my my brothers and sisters. I know why they why they like that. You know, I know. And so that's why you know it's important that we have these dialogues. It's important that you know we we encourage one another. It's it's important that, you know, we just have to, you know, 
look at this. You know, it's time to rethink everything. I have a T-shirt that says that. And it is. It's time to rethink everything. And it's, it's, it's so important, honey. It really is that we not alienate the believing community because, you know, if we were to alienate the entire believing community, it would only be a handful of us pontificating to one another about why we think religion is so bad. And, you know, while there are aspects of religion that I disagree with, you know, I can't take away the fact that um, it's a part of our community. You know, if you go back and you listen to the three-part series I did on the God concept, you know, Michael Lackey in his book, you know, explained it, and it was so clear and so concise. And it talked about how there's a difference between white Christianity and black Christianity. You know, the white Christianity was used to oppress black people, and the black Christianity was about how to hold on, how to make it through, how I got by, how to get by. You know, although I'm being beaten and cursed and persecuted, I still have to make it through the by and by. I have to make it to the next day. Lord, help me to hold on. Help me to be here for my children. Help me to be here for my spouse. Help me to make it through the next day. And I know it has to get better. I believe that it's going to get better. We need for it to get better. I don't know how much longer I can hold on. And that wasn't just applied then. It's part. It's part of it now. You know. It's so a, uh, I mean, hmm. I was just going to say, even this week, um, one of the people on 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 uh, Facebook said he don't he doesn't see where where religion had anything to do with slavery. None whatsoever. And, and well, I, I mean, I, you know, there are different schools of thought. I can't Huh? Well, there are different schools of thought on that, and you have people that are spiritual, you have people that are Christian, you have Muslims, you know, Hindus, Buddhists. And, I mean, you know, different people, you know, have different ways of dealing with, um, you know, their spirituality, their belief systems. But at the end of the day, you know, you know, you have to allow people to be who they are, and you have to meet them where they are. And, you know, where we're getting at with this particular show, Interfaith, Social Justice, and Atheism, is we have to find a way to dialogue with believers and work together to move social justice, you know, to, to progress the community at large, you know, the communities of color. Because, you know, there is this thing called white privilege. And, you know, I posted an article about how the conservatives are afraid that, you know, whites are becoming the minority and that they will be discriminated against. You know, and, of course, they don't want to be treated the same way we've been treated. But social justice, you know, we have to address it as atheists because now that we're atheists or non-believers or humanists or free thinkers, whatever you may want to call yourself, you know, you call yourself a brick. I don't care. Uh, but I still live in this community. When I walk out the house, I'm still a black woman. That does not change because now I'm an atheist. That does not change. And the fact that I am an atheist, now I have to deal with 
the pushback and the consequences of that from my own community. However, what I will say is this. I've told many black people that I was atheist, and the reaction was not nearly as negative as I thought it was going to be. (laughs) I've been shown a lot of compassion, a lot of love, and, you know, it may even be pity on their behalf. But, you know, I didn't have anyone spitting in my face or throw a holy oil on me while I'm walking down the street. You understand? And so it has to go both ways, love. It has to go both ways. And we have to work together to advance these causes because, you know, the lack of jobs, the lack of, you know, grocery stores, you know, we have food deserts, the lack of jobs, the lack of educational opportunities. We have been, you know, basically priced out of higher education for the most part. Higher education is now basically only really available for those who have wealth. And that is not fair. And, you know, going back to public policies, you know, the laws that are on the books, for a long time people of color could not get Social Security. People of color could not get welfare. People of color could not get unemployment. Why? Because even though it was a federal program and a federal law, it was pushed down to the state to administer. And this is how they were able to discriminate then and now. So this is why it's important that we get out here and we work together because it affects all of us. It doesn't just affect, you know, um, believers of color. It affects atheists of color, too. There are a number, you know, to be honest with you, the majority of the atheists that I've seen in this community are living at the poverty level or below it or just a tiny bit above it. There's only a few atheists that are wealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you know, I'm actually going to have to you know, uh, head out in a second and I won't be able to continue to participate. But I do want to um, make sure that we announce where you're going to be tomorrow. Oh, yes, please. Go ahead, Vito. <laughs> so tomorrow I'll be interviewing Kim. Uh, he will be just talking about people of color beyond faith. And we're actually going to have some of these sort of conversations, but mostly talking about why it's important that we have, uh, well, we, that we talk about atheism, but in the context of social justice. And I believe you have something coming up next Sunday that we'll, we'll definitely talk about that, about as far as the oppression of women and the religious community. So I'm really excited to talk about it. We'll talk about it tomorrow on KPFK. Um, in L.A., that's 90.7 uh, FM. If you are not in L.A. and you would like to listen, you can listen to it on kpfk.org. That will be tomorrow at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 Central, and that, I believe that's 11 Eastern Time. So if you want to check that out, if you missed it, that's fine, because there will be archived, and I will be posting that up on my Facebook page, Vita Star, G-U. Um, and I'm sure Kim will also post it up on Black You Thinkers. So I just want to make sure that we announce yeah. that. All right. Excellent. So. Excellent. I am so looking forward to it, and thank you for calling in. And this is an important conversation to have, and we will continue tomorrow with that. Excellent. You guys have a wonderful uh, rest of your Sunday on the Lord's Day. No, I'm just playing. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, Vita. You too. (laughs) But, you know, this conversation, like I said, is important to have, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, we're, you know, wanting to have diversity, true diversity, because, you know, again, you know, with a lot of these larger organizations, they're talking about diversity, but it's rhetoric. And they're not necessarily, you know, implementing it, which is action. So there's a difference. And, you know, they'll have their, you know, select people and parade them around to give the illusion of 
not being a racist organization. And I'm not saying that they are racist organizations. All I say is that some of these folks are very questionable, and I'll leave it at that. And so, you know, it's interesting because, you know, there are a lot of people in this community that do not want to acknowledge some of the issues that are happening because if they acknowledge that there is racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia in this community, what they're saying is that that this community mirrors our society as a whole. But that's true. It does. Just because you're an atheist, that does not mean that you can't be sexist. That does not mean that you can't be racist or homophobic or transphobic. You know, when you become atheist, all of those things don't just melt away and disappear. That's like telling me that when you became Christian, that and you know you were washed by the blood of Jesus, all your sins were washed away, and you were no longer a sexist, a racist, a homophobic, you know, anti-Semite, or any of those things. It's the same thing, and that's why we do a lot of comparative analysis between atheism and religion, because there are a lot of similarities. Just because you are no longer part of the church, that does not mean you no longer have the religiosity type of thinking. The group think, you know, that mob mentality. Because, you know, in some cases I've seen, you know, you know, non-believers having um, words back and forth with a believer, and then a lot of non-believers just gang up on that believer. That's not how it should work. And I'm saying believers do the same thing to a non-believer in which they would just gang up against that person. Why can't we just have a civil, productive conversation? But anyway, moving on, you know, going, you know, moving forward about this, you know, I post a lot of things on our page because we want you to read, we want you to research, we want you to grow, we want you to become enlightened. And when I say become enlightened, I'm not saying that your knowledge at that point is end-all, be-all. Learning is a never-ending process. If you're not learning, you're not alive. Okay? So, you know, it's a never-ending process, but... You know, there are a lot of things that we have to dispel, like, you know, that gentleman that was in the chat room, you know, uh, basically, you know, putting social justice down and, you know, basically making a lot of, you know, blanket statements, if you will. And, you know, pathologies, especially pathologies in communities of color, um, that's big business. Whether you all believe it or not, you know, there are people who profit from from poverty. Mm-hmm. There are people who profit from that. So, you know, it's just it's important that we understand what's happening, why it's happening, who profits from it. I tell people all the time, follow the money. Follow the money. You know, and going back to, you know, what we were saying earlier, especially when I brought up the CPAC atheist, if you will, follow the money. It's about money. It's about resources. It's about networking. It's about opportunities. And, you know, again, if there are no racial or, you know, racist people in this community, there are no homophobes in this community, there are no sexists in this community, as some people would like to say or would like to have you believe, then, you know, we can move on. Because, you know, some of these people are of the mindset, if they don't talk about racism, they don't talk about sexism or any of the isms or phobias, then it doesn't exist and that it will go away if we just stop talking about it. And that's not true. 
I'll still be black and female tomorrow. Right. 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 Yep. So, anything you wanted to add to that, Rhino? No. No. I mean, you pretty much are nailing it on the head, so. (laughs) I don't have much to add. (laughs) That's too funny. So, yeah. I'm just looking, but I just believe that, you know, um, I don't know. I just, I'm just at the point that, you know, these are conversations that need to be had. Some of them will be hard conversations, and some of them, you know, um, again, will be marginalized, will be ignored, will be mocked. You know, we will, you know, uh, have those, uh, have the people sent um, to stifle our speech or to silence us. You know, we've had that. We've had people attempting to silence us, and it didn't work then, and it won't work now because, you know, the more you try to do that, the louder we get, period. Yep. And so it's just interesting how all of that comes about because you have a number of people in this community who basically have the attitude it's either our way or the highway and then get angry when we say, well, we'll take the highway, but we don't, we don't build our own highway. We're going to build our own off-ramp. You know, you know, here's our little rest station, and we're going to talk about what we want to over here. And yet they're, you know, insecure about that. And so it's like it's a no-win situation. So that's why you just have to move on, live your life, and do what you need to do. And that's one of the reasons why we formed people of color beyond faith, because we want to include other people. You are welcome here. Believer, non-believer, you know, black, white, yellow, red, whatever, deep, purple, whatever, you know, you're welcome. And we want to have this dialogue with you. We want to move forward together because we know that we can get a lot more done collectively. You know, and we all have something to bring to the table. And it's important that we learn how to respect one another, but also to recognize, you know, the similarities and the commonalities that we have. Because I believe we have more in common than many of us realize. And so it's important to focus on those things and to hash out the differences. Because in many cases, it's a miscommunication, a misunderstanding, and it's about educating people. And so, you know, it's interesting because, you know, um, there were a couple of hashtags, not your Asian side chick, and I am not your water lily, and a number of things, you know, that the Asian community, you know, had brought forth, um, especially Suey Park. I really like that individual. And, you know, she's an Asian feminist, a wonderful woman. And basically... I'm looking at all of this, and there's this thing called a model minority, which is, you know, unfair in in a lot of respects. Um, But yet they still deal with some of the same microaggressions that we deal with. They still deal with some of the discrimination and racism that we deal with. And so, you know, there are a lot of misunderstandings, but I'm, I'm loving the fact that we're talking. 
and we're putting that information out there and we're coming to a better understanding and we realize that we need to get together and support one another and move this social justice forward because it helps all of us in the long run. And it not only helps communities of color, it actually helps white people because, you know, a lot of men do not realize that feminism benefits them. A lot of whites will soon, hopefully, and some do, realize that social justice and leveling the playing field and dealing with this wealth, you know, inequality, you know, will help them in the long run as well. There was a survey, a study, as a matter of fact, that was um, released that shows that, you know, by living in an oppressive racist society that it costs them more money. They will cost them less money if they level the playing field. And this is what we're trying to get across. And, you know, it's just, you know, when I talk to white people and I try to explain where we're coming from, you know, which I don't do very often, but sometimes, you know, you catch me on the right day. And some of them get it. Some of them don't. And some of them don't want to. So you interact and you deal with the ones that want to know, that want to understand. And you move on because, you know, we do have some allies, you know, in this community. And, you know, we thank them for that. And, you know, we have to move forward. We have to move on. Like I said, you know, quoting Dr. Hutchison, atheism is not enough. It's not enough. So, okay. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, how all of that comes about. But you will hear more conversations on social justice and interfaith um, and atheism and, you know, interlinking all of these and, you know, talking about it. You know, Raina and I had have had several conversations talking about how our oppressions are connected. Yes? Yes. Yes, we have. I mean, do you want me to elaborate further on those? I didn't know what you want me to say. Like, <laughs> you just, you kind of just talked about it, and then you mentioned the the thing. Um, I mean, but yeah, I mean, these are these are interlocking oppressions that we're dealing with. You know, mm-hmm. patriarchy, capitalism, you know, racism. All of these things are interlinked, and you know, it's not it's not one thing or the other. It's 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 all of these systems together, and um, you know I as much as you know people like to try to erase you know uh, try to erase patriarchy or discussions of the patriarchy or discussions of race and try to um, have these conversations about how it's just about poor versus rich. It's not just about poor versus rich because if right. it were just about poor versus rich. We wouldn't be talking about how you know how black women, in particular, are at the bottom of the heap. You know what I mean? If it right. were really just about poor and rich, it, you know, you wouldn't be able to find you know uh, you know black women at the bottom of the heap. We would be we would be just like everybody else. We wouldn't you know be um, be struggling with you know our um, net worth. You know, uh, there was some study a, a while ago that said that the net, black women's net worth was like five dollars. 
you know. Yeah. If yeah. you know, if not for if not for all of these interlocking locking systems, you know, that would not be the case. Um, you know, the, these things are all related. So. Yes, of course. Yeah, all of this, you know, they're all interconnected. All of the oppressions are definitely interconnected, and you know, even people that believe that it is, you know, about the haves versus the have-nots. Well, at least in my case, you know, I don't dispel that. You know, there is a racial component to it as well. I believe that all of that comes into play, but I, I believe that a lot of this is about the haves wanting to have everything and not giving a damn about the have-nots. And so, you know, you just have different people, different situations, but, you know, all of the, you know, all of these oppressions are interconnected. And that's not to, you know, dismiss, you know, the gender issues and the race issues. You know, those are still prevalent because, again, at the end of the day, I'm still a black woman. When I walk out the house, I'm still a black woman when I'm in the house. You know, that's never going to change. And that's true. You know, um, there. It's just it's so complex. It's so complex. Um, and that's why this conversation definitely, you know, needs to be had, needs to be had. And, you know, one of the ways that you have, like, white supremacists um, and those with, you know, white privilege, you know, they came in the chat room and in the groups that I was talking about earlier, um, one way that they try to shut down the conversation and to silence people is to say they grew up white and poor. And growing up white and poor is worse than being black. And then it turns into, you know, the type of conversation whereas they're trying to prove that their oppression was worse than your oppression. When oppression is oppression. So, you know, I post a link about how to explain white privilege to someone who's um, well, white. I'm going to say I'm going to say I disagree with oppression is oppression. <laughs> I definitely think that there are def- there are differences. No, in no, 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 no. But just, what I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, when you start, when white when we're talking about these white supremacists, they're not looking outside of their purview, if you will. So of course yeah. they think being white and poor is worse than being black because, you know, in, in the white world, if you will, when you're white and poor, the rich whites are looking at you like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you pull yourself up by your bootstraps? And how are you white and poor? You're white. And mm-hmm. so there's a certain shame that they have for being white and poor, and they can't see beyond that. I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying, you know, this is how I see that particular situation. But the thing is, is that they still have the privilege of being white, and they don't understand that. They yeah. wake up with that so privilege. They, think, they were born with that privilege. Yeah, they they don't they think it's terrible that they they don't see it terrible for us being poor. Right. But they find a, a problem with them being poor. Right. And, and, and yeah. Everything. Yeah, because per white, you know, white supremacy, they're not supposed mm-hmm. to. They're supposed to have everything. You know? Exactly. Exactly. They're supposed to have everything. They're supposed to be smarter than everybody. They're supposed to oversee and overrule and dominate everybody. But when you but don't. But I'm saying, but, but, but what are you when you don't? 
You understand? So now they see themselves as failures or less than, and, you know, here we go with that inferiority complex, and that's where a lot of the projection and, you know, all of that comes from, and I believe that's where some of that hate stems from because they're not supposed to be like us. You know, they're not supposed to be poorer than us. They're not supposed to be in the same predicament because their manifest destiny said that they are supposed to be great. You're a white American. Don't be an Anglo-Saxon Protestant and poor. How the hell that happened? Mm-hmm. And then you have your honorary white people who, when they first came to this country, their ancestors, they were not considered white. <coughs> And they were being lynched, and they were being oppressed. And then at some point, they became honorary whites, and then that's when they started, you know, more oppression, more victimization of people of color, in particular black people and indigenous people, because now they were no longer considered part of that group. Or not really, mm-hmm. somewhat, but not really. But as long as they can keep the focus on that group and continue to marginalize and victimize that group, then those other people will focus on that group instead of them. Okay. So, you know, you're white and poor. How did that happen? Mm-hmm. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so they can't see outside of that. They can't think outside of the box. They can't necessarily have empathy for other people. And I'm, I'm not talking about all of them. I'm just talking about the few trolls that I had to deal with and block over the weekend. And they're not mm-hmm. trying to. They're not trying to. They're just trying to figure out how to collect more toys, how to collect more money, how to dominate. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. You know, and, you know, shame on me. I thought that in the atheist community, I thought that we were better than that. But we're human beings with fallibilities, and it happens. So, you know. You you expected them to do better. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I was just laughing because I was like, Oh, I was just laughing because I was like, oh, she expected them to do better. That's cute. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, I, you know, and I'm talking about all atheists of all persuasions and colors and, you know, nationalities and ethnicities. I just thought that we would do better on this side. And, you know, unfortunately, I'm being more and more disillusioned and disappointed every day by the behaviors that I see, you know, uh, you know, we see the shaming, you know, the body image shaming. We see, you know, a lot of shaming on a lot of different levels over here, whether they're shaming believers or shaming somebody's intellect or, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just it's amazing. It's amazing. And I just, you know, I've just come to the conclusion that people are people, And some of the, you know, beliefs that I used to have about believers, you know, I've apologized because I no longer believe that anymore because I see the same thing over here. And that's why I just realized that people are people. We're all human. We have our beliefs, right, wrong, or indifferent. 
And that's why, you know, me personally, I try to educate myself, you know, and I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong. Not a problem. You know, my thing is present me with some information contrary to what I believe. I'm one of those people. I will go back and read it, and I'll contemplate on it, and I'll think about it, and try to, you know, you know, study it within the context of, you know, my reality, you know, what I understand, and come to some type of, you know, conclusion with that. But, you know, I've been wrong. I've admitted that I've been wrong, and, you know, I've apologized, and I've corrected myself, and life goes on. It's okay not to know something. It's okay to be wrong. You can't have all the answers. That's one of the reasons why we have some of the issues that we have with believers. Because even when they know they don't have the answer, they still try to come up with some type of answer. Right. So, you know, because, I mean, I believe Scripture says have an answer, you know, ready at any moment or have an answer at all times. And, you know, that's just, that's just not, you know, feasible. So it's just interesting. Um, interesting. Um, there's an article out there that says, you know, some of my best friends are racist. I haven't had a chance to read that yet fully. You know, I kind of skimmed through it, but I haven't had a chance to fully read it. I'll post it a little later. But, you know, um, I posted an article on how we built the ghettos. And we did a show um, on privileged mutiny, and it was called Inner City Blues. That was a three-part series. And I think Inner City Blues was the second part. And, you know, we talked about public policies and public planning and interstate projects and, you know, how all of that goes hand in hand. And if you read that article, you know, it explains a lot of what's, you know, happening and what's been happening. And there are a lot of people that try to perpetuate the lie that, you know, people of color, namely blacks, um, are lazy, a.k.a. Paul Ryan, um, you know, have a culture of not working, but yet they're not addressing the fact that, you know, the jobs that were available, you know, have gone, and there were not a lot of economic opportunities to begin with. But the few that were there, you know, are gone. You know, the manufacturing jobs, it used to be that, you know, a lot of people of color as well as, you know, whites who are able to go out and be blue-collar workers and work in these manufacturing plants, and a lot of those have shipped off, you know, to other countries. You know, you you can thank Bill Clinton for that with NAFTA. And, you know, um as well as some of the laws in this country, which is why there are people challenging some of the IRS laws and rules and policies because you have companies that only pay $1 a year in taxes because they're able to ship their profitable departments and divisions overseas where they don't have to pay taxes, but the departments that are failing and bleeding money and are in red stay in this country, and they can write those losses off on their taxes. You know, we call it corporate welfare. You know, they point to the poor community and say that the poor community is dependent upon welfare. Well, the same thing applies to, you know, these corporations and even a lot of rich people. You know, we've talked about how, you know, some of these professional sport organizations, how 
they are um, nonprofit organizations. Yet the players on the team, you know, they're encouraged to engage in capitalism. But some of these same wealthy people say socialism is bad, you know, but it's only bad when, you know, everyone else wants to engage in it, but not when they are engaging in it. So, you know, we just want you all to go out and read and understand and see, you know, um, how all of that works. But I'll ask Raina a question here. You know, can interfaith social justice and atheism coexist? Um, yeah. <laughs> of course they can. That's why we chose, that's why we started POC Beyond Faith. I thought you were gonna ask something harder. No, no, no. I just wanted you you to expound on it. Um, I mean, they have. I mean, for people of color and and for social justice to move forward, I mean, they absolutely have to coexist. I mean, there's just there's no other option because because people because for one, faith in communities of color has has a different meaning than it generally right. does in in sort of the mainstream. It is it. it it, it's a it's a gathering place. It's a place where you know we've taken, you know, what some people might think of as the harmful aspects of religion, and we've converted it into something that is ours and 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 works for us, helps us with you know our day to day lives, and in dealing with that, and actually and actually does um, inspire many people within the church to do good work in the, in their communities and to look out you know, for people um, who are less privileged. So, you know, you can't just write off all churches and all faith communities, um, you know, as being um, in, inherently harmful because um, they may believe in things that don't exist, you know. Um, right. You got to, you know, some of them some of them are, are, are going to be natural um, allies and, you know, a lot of them probably won't. You know, but that doesn't mean that we write them all off. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, that's why we have People of Color Beyond Faith, which we will have a live webcast next Sunday. So make sure you go and subscribe to our YouTube channel. But we have a very diverse panel, um, you know, next week. Um, Actually, we'll be talking about women of color and religious oppression. We will have Michelle Huey on our panel. We'll have Georgina um, Capitillo on our panel. We'll have A.J. Johnson on the panel. And so, you know, we're looking forward to, you know, a really, really good conversation. And, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, religious oppression of women of color, about different, you know, perspectives. And, you know, it's just... Um, it's just absolutely wonderful, but we want to get everybody engaged and involved in the conversation. We want true diversity um, in people of color beyond faith, and it's just, you know, it's important to give everybody a voice because I believe that we will be able to tear down so many barriers and be able to move forward and, you know, move social justice forward. You know, that's why that's the name of our conference, October 11th and 12th. We've been talking about it since October of last year, so you all can save up your funds to come see us. And so, um, 
you know, it's just absolutely wonderful. We're excited. But, you know, at the conference, it's going to be very diverse. Um, we're going to have trans people there. We're going to have, you know, members of the LGBTQ community. We'll have members of the believing community. We'll have people of different, you know, ethnic background, racial background, nationalities. Um, we're just going to have a little bit of everyone. And we want you to come out, and this will be taking place in Los Angeles at CFI Los Angeles. And this is being sponsored by Black Skeptics Group, CFI, AAH, and Secular Student Alliance. So, um, you know, guys, it's important, um, and we want you. We want you to be a part of this. We want you to know, you know, how much we care, and that's why we do this, you know. So People of Color Beyond Faith has a monthly webcast. We plan to expand that um, eventually and, you know, do some more specialized um webcast, you know, that's coming up in the future as well as some other things that I can't really get into right now. But trust me, April is going to be exciting. But, um, guys, we care. We care. You're not alone. You're definitely not alone out here. Um, you know, some of the sessions will be talking about some of the following issues, and I'm just going to point a couple of the bullet points out. But it says, what political voice should people of color, nonbelievers, have in a national and global context in which the racial wealth gap has become gargantuan? Increasing numbers of black and Latino youth are being imprisoned, and fewer have access to a college education. Now, in that regards, like we were talking about, you know, having our own community centers in which, you know, people can come there and we can have training classes and teach them how to use Word, teach them or, you know, how to write their own resume, you know, different training programs, uh, encourage them to go to college, help find the scholarships, and, you know, you know, talk about the recidivism rates, you know, it, that's important. And, you know, we're coming from a lot of different aspects, but, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, throwing some stuff out there right now. And, you know, how can atheists of color effectively challenge homophobia and transphobia in the black church and other faith institutions? That is very important. You know, um, since I've been alive, <laughs> you know, I've seen this change. You know, I've seen it go from nobody really thought about or said anything about, you know, people who were, you know, gay, lesbian, transgender, queer, what have you, to this, you know, incensed homophobia to now people becoming more tolerant. Because I remember when nobody really talked about it, they would say, oh, well, that's the, you know, choir director or the musician. He's a little funny, but, you know, he's harmless. You know, he'll mean no harm. You know what I mean? So that's how it used to be. And then all of a sudden, you know, a lot of the churches, in particular black churches, took cues from the southern evangelicals. And then that's when, you know, homosexuality, you know, took a turn for the worst, and they were just these horrible people, you know, and it's like, what happened? What happened? And another thing that we have to, you know, fight against and push back against is that, you know, there is this myth that the black community is homophobic. And that's not right. necessarily true because, um, and, you know, do not allow them to scapegoat the black church. 
You know, not going to allow them to do that. And especially what happened with Prop 8 in California, they were blaming the black church when the percentage of voters, of black voters in California is a single digit. But yet they were too chicken shit, if you will, to fight against the Mormon church. That is the real enemy of what happened in, right. you know, with Prop 8 in California. But, you know, they'd rather go after, you know, a group that's already oppressed. So they attacked the black community, and, you know, this isn't a black church, and we just couldn't have that. Um, and so it's just interesting. You know, another bullet point is what is the connection between economic justice, community development, and culturally relevant humanism? And I think I'll be sitting on that panel right there. And, you know, there is, you know, a connection between all of these. And, you know, we, during the um, February digital conference, we talked about, you know, radical humanism. And, you know, we'll be more in depth on that panel as well, you know, go more in depth about it. But, you know, well, you know, radical humanism is, you know, one of the things that galvanized, you know, that particular wave of the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s. And we've explained this, you know, on the show before. The civil rights movement did not begin and end in the 50s and 60s with Martin Luther King and Bayard Rustin and Asa Philip Randolph, you know, it went all the way back. And I, they called W.E.B. Du Bois the grandfather of the civil rights movement. And as I've been corrected in the past by Raina and others, civil rights movement began even before W.E.B. Du Bois started when we were right. slaves saying, us are free, give us us free, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she goes all the way back to then. You know, so, again, you know, we want you all to understand the history. We want you all to put these things in the proper context and understand what's happening. And, you know, I'm going to do another shot at libertarianism. That is a utopian thought process. And there is no such thing as a utopia. But that's just my opinion. And there are people out there who beg to differ, and I understand. You know, send me a note. This is the only time I will open myself up to, you know, to this, um, basically. You can email me at blackfreethinkers at gmail.com. Again, blackfreethinkers at gmail.com. You know, state your case. State your case. You know, I understand that there are blacks that are libertarians. I know a few of them. And we had, you know, our disagreements, and, you know, we moved on. So it's just interesting um, how all of this comes about. But, you know, I'm starting to see change in the atheist community. There are more people becoming more socially conscious, and I think that's a wonderful thing. Yes? Yeah, yeah I think it's a good thing. And like you, I don't, I don't know that there's any way that anyone can convince me that, you know, Libertarianism is going to work for black folks, you know. It's not. But uh, if it's you come across any, if, you, if I was going to say, if you come across any uh, convincing arguments, please share them with me. But um, yeah. I doubt that that'll happen, and I won't hold my breath. So. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Will not hold my breath. And, you know, and it's just interesting, but we encourage you to do the research for yourself. Do the research for yourself. Go out and get a better understanding. And if that's what works for you, that's what works for you. 
you know, but understand why it does not necessarily work for us or why it doesn't work for me because I can only speak for myself. And, or you know, I've been... Because it's never worked, but go ahead, sorry. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, no, you're right. And someone in the room said libertarians are conservatives that smoke weed. Exactly. Exactly. Do you want to explain to me how, like, Rand Paul and, you know, you know uh, LaRouche and all these other folks, you know, have the answers, you know? I mean, I'll try not to laugh in your face, but I can't promise it won't happen. So. Right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, I mean, these are some of the same people. These are some of the same people that said that, you know, the Civil Rights Act, you know, should never have happened. And okay. that businesses have the right to refuse business to blacks and to gays and to you know, just a number of different people. And then they go on to say that if they refuse business to these people, then a lot of other people won't, you know, patronize that business and they'll lose, they'll lose money. So it would be foolish of them. But they really want to strike, you know, the Civil Rights Act. And so, you know, again, is that the type of, you know, leadership that you want to sit under. And, I mean, you know, like I said, you know, my thing is fact check me. Go out, look it up, fact check me. You know, I have no problem standing behind what I say, and I also have no problem having a rational, you know, conversation. If you just want to argue, you're barking up the wrong tree. You know, anyone in this community will tell you that's just not going to happen. I'm not going to argue with you. I will allow you to be as ignorant as you want to be. That's fine with me. You know, so um, it's it's just interesting um, how all of this came about. But this was a very needed and very important conversation. And, you know, again, you you know, I don't want to leave out anyone. And, you know, I talked about, you know, the black community and I talked about the Asian community. I want to take some time out to talk a little bit about the Latino community. And, you know, interestingly enough, over in the atheist community, you know, the Latino community is very marginalized as well. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, I see a few, and you have the Chicago Latino Atheist, which is part of the Latinos, Latino Free Thinkers Network or something to that effect with David Tamayo. And, you know, I don't see a lot of activity coming from that group. So, you know, again, we're extending, you know, our hands to you. And, you know, I've invited a couple of people on the show. I didn't get any responses from them. But, you know, we're, you know, opening the door. The welcome mat is open. We do want more representation from the Latino community. You know, we'll have a young woman um, of Latino descent on you know, next week's webcast. And so, you know, we are opening the doors. We want you to be a part of this conversation. We want to dialogue. But, yeah, that's another community, you know, that's, um, um, that religion is interwoven into their, you know, particular community. And many of them are coming out as well. So, you know, we want to encourage them and let them know that they're not alone. We're here to support you, and we want you to have a voice. So when you're ready, let me know, you know, put the word around. As a matter of fact, Raina, we need to do um, another um, um, 
announcement, you know, asking people if they want to be a part of, like we did the last time, they want to be a part of the community and want to be on future panels because, you know, the doors are open. And it's okay if you have a different viewpoint, you know, again, it's about being civil. And we will allow you to make your point and, you know, just like we have the opportunity to rebut. And that's okay. But, you know, we're opening the doors to, you know, believers as well because, you know, it's important to have their voice. We don't want everything to be one-sided. That's not a conversation. You know, that's a monologue. So, you know, it's just important for people to know that we do care, that you're not alone, that we're here for you. And again, next and Sunday. And also understanding that, and also understanding that. Sorry to add on to what you were saying. That that you know that thing about we're here to have a conversation and a dialogue. Some things we don't have conversations about. That's just right. to let you know. <laughs> right. That doesn't mean that we have conversations about everything. There are some conversations we don't we that are not conversations. They're given. And you know, if you don't have that understanding, you can't have conversation with us. Sorry. Right. Yeah, because okay. we're not interested in engaging in pissing contests. That, that's okay. not what we're about, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, who's the biggest victim? You know, that's that's mm-hmm. not, you know, what it's about. Yes. We're trying to move Amen. forward. Exactly. Thank we're you. trying to move <laughs> forward. We're trying to progress, and we're trying to have a platform that's inclusive. And, you know, I think that's extremely important. So the name of our conference in October is Moving Social Justice and, you know, incorporating interfaith and social justice into atheism. And one of the, you know, pushback comments that I received um, this weekend was, well, we don't see that you have any, you know, um, forums that are, that's going to deal with atheism in particular. And my response was, we have enough organizations that are pushing atheist causes. We have to take this, you know, you know, a little higher. We have to take this to another level. Those organizations are pushing atheist causes. Wonderful. We're pushing these causes over here, but that does not diminish, you know, our atheism. You know, but we're showing that atheists do believe in these causes. We do believe in social justice. We do believe in interfaith. Well, some of us do. And (laughs) we do believe in diversity. Now, that's one thing that, you know, within this particular group, you know, diversity, we want people of all different colors, races, ethnicities, nationalities, persuasions, what have you, you know, eat all of the above, you know, and, and it's okay. It's okay. But, yeah, now we're not going to engage you in a bunch of um, race, racist um, rhetoric. That's, that's just not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And, um, you know, life goes on. You want to start your white free thinkers group, I say go for it. But, you know, you already have a bunch of them that just don't have white in front of their names. Right. So that's why I don't understand why you have a problem with Asian-specific groups, Latino-specific groups, black-specific groups, you know, you know, people of color-specific groups. You know, and, and then what gets me is when they start preaching to me, well, we should just see ourselves as humans. Well, we don't. But we didn't create this, you know, racial hierarchy in this country. We didn't right. create the you know, the policies that keep us oppressed and suppressed and, you know, and denied and delayed. You know, we didn't create that. 
And while we all are human, being a black person, being a woman, being, you know, what, LGBTQ, whatever, those are very real realities. That's not going to right. go away if we stop talking about it or if we don't acknowledge it. Sorry, you know, when I look down, I see woman. When I, when I look at my hand, I see black. It hasn't changed in 43 years. If you're looking down and you see woman, you need to put some clothes on. <laughs> 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 I'm just messing with you. <laughs> okay, y'all getting ready to say something. But say I know, I'm just messing beautiful. with you. I'm just messing with you. You're good. You're good. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're down to the last 90 seconds. Deborah, honey, we love you, and we thank you for your support. You know, nobody you else here, I know depend on Deborah. You know, she missed us a couple of weeks ago when we first came back, but we didn't hold that against her because we know the love was there. So there you go. Blame, Deborah, blame the weather. That weather y'all brought me. That's what y'all that Blame the weather. <laughs> That's on y'all. And all these things. Oh, uh, you, you, want, you want to get me to go on off, supposed to be snowing again sometime this damn week, and I still, you know what, Thank I you. put a pox on people who wanted snow in Chicago, okay, a pox on your house, I tell you. <laughs> we yeah, take you a rain a pox. <laughs> yeah, pox. Okay. It's going to be some more down here tonight. Girl. It's going to be some more down here tonight. I'm about to lose my mind up in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But anyway, we have a lot of excitement. We have social justice projects coming up this year. There's going to be some more announcements about that. We have a fundraiser coming up um, that's going to be launched pretty soon. You know, anyway, that's coming soon. And so you're going to hear more about it. But, again, blackskeptics at gmail.com. You can give your contributions. I've 1C3, tax deductible. And on that note, I love you. You're not alone. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Love you, baby. Have a good weekend. Bye. Love you all. Have a good one.